0: Edelstein here, your celeb expert and your celeb savant. Celeb Savant is a weekly entertainment show. We have long-form career retrospective type interviews with celebrities, singers, actors and industry experts. On this episode of Celeb Savant, I'll be speaking to Brad Marquis. Brad Marquis is an American R&B singer, songwriter and soul powerhouse. Brad released his debut album, Finding My Way, in 2007, and since then has consistently released singles, albums and EPs. He's a veteran performer, headlining his own shows and sharing the stage with the likes of Eric Robertson, Angie Stone, Faith Evans, Indy Tamia, Tamiya, to name just a few. Up next on Celeb Savant, we've got Brad Markey. Where do we find you in the world, what's happening in your life and how are you doing?
1: <laughs> where do you find me in the world yes um i'm at home yeah. <laughs> i'm in new jersey i actually live in jersey in the states how am i doing i'm doing great man i'm um i'm feeling good i'm feeling good this this new year has um hit the ground running um and i'm excited about all the the beautiful things that i'm projecting for this year
0: i like that because projecting means there's intention and that it will manifest so let's put it out there that Absolutely, that <laughs> perfect absolutely so let's take it all the way back to the very beginning of your musical journey. When did you realize that music was where you wanted to go? And how did that journey take place?
1: I was about 19 years old. I was in college and I had did a talent show and it wasn't just the talent show. It was everything around the talent show. It was was, was how I got there. Um, And I'll I'll try and shorten this story, but um, I really wasn't doing music at the time. Um, I was just a college student, you know, who could sing. And so, you know, one of my hooks is, you know, I would sing for the ladies, you know. So, if I'm, you know, that was just my thing. Can I just um, ask you a question on that?
0: Me or- because a lot of people, they just sing without actually realizing that they've got a song to sing with for lots of people. So when you were singing those songs for the ladies, did you think it was just for that moment? Or did you actually understand that you had a talent for the world to hear?
1: No, I I was just singing just because I could. <laughs> there was it wasn't much intention behind it it yeah. was um to get them you know get their attention yeah. or maybe i would just sing without even knowing that i was singing just because it's just what i did you know and yeah. so that that's kind of where that was mm-hmm. but um it was, i was at a talent show and it was a talent show slash fashion show and they had more fashion skits than they had talent and so i knew the host and the hostess and they you know during one of the intermissions they came to me and asked me if I would uh close out the night and I was like absolutely not I'm just you know I'm here with my friends we're hanging out I you know I had no intention on singing it's 500 people there I had no intention on yeah. getting up there I was ill prepared you know so I was just like nah you know move on blah 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 <laughs> and they would they wouldn't move on as I said they were the host and the hostess so they're on stage and they're hinting at a special guest coming up at the end of the night he's he's, yes. he's not on the brochure he's not in you know he's not on the, the bill but we have a special guest for you at the end of the night and next thing i know friends of mine throughout the night would come over to me brad we heard you singing we heard you singing and i, <laughs> and I was like i was like no i'm not singing i'm absolutely not singing yeah it's very naughty a, to a, do that right right yeah. and i was about to get up and leave mm. and then you know one of my friends who i was interested in at the time and i You know i was trying to date her she was like there's no way you're gonna sing for me in class and not get up and sing now and i'm like homie that's just you it is 500 people here so the end of the night comes i'm dead set against performing next thing i know the lights go out in the the theater the lights go off spotlight hits me in the crowd why (laughs) i'm trying to crawl under something at that moment (laughs) Why? So it's a, this is the sink or swim moment. Either you get up and sing, or you or you never sing ever again in your life. Yeah. And so I got up and I sang. And the crowd roared to it. It was deafening. It was so loud, it was deafening. Like I couldn't hear anything. I couldn't even hear their. I couldn't even hear their cheers. It was so loud. And uh, I walked off the stage, and the host and hostess grabbed me and said, "Brad, turn around. Look, that's for you." And I turned around. My ears opened up, and I could hear it. And I was like, oh shit, I can do this. I was like, yes. this is this is this might be my thing. And after that, it just kind of snowballed. Folks started recruiting me, wanting me to come and be in their group, or want me to come to the studio and record songs, stuff like that. And it just it just snowballed. So you mentioned you've collaborated with different artists and groups and so forth. So
0: currently you, is it a solo project? I know you're doing covers of Sam Cook, but mm-hmm. Is the production collaboration just yourself, or still a collaboration of mixed different individuals?
1: Currently, it's been majority of me. I've probably okay. written almost a hundred percent of my songs. I've probably written ninety-five percent of my songs um, since I started releasing albums in two thousand seven. Um, I have three albums and an EP out right now. Um, I have another, um, as you said, you know, I-, I covered a Bob Dylan, Sam Cooke song, "Blowing in the Wind." After that. Um, with the permission of the estate. Hopefully we can put the project out because um, it's a whole live album of, of Sam Cooke material that we got okay. taken from one of my performances. I'm just excited for that and excited to produce new music hopefully sometime in the second half of this year.
0: Your music, your creative process from zero mm-hmm. to a three mm-hmm. to four minute song vocal instrumentation what is that journey for you? It's
1: changed over the years, but the I think the best version of me in that space came when uh, on my first album, and my first album was created. And I, I've always wanted to get back to this creative process. Mm-hmm. Um, my first album, I met my my partner, and and still great friend to this day, Cochise Jeremy Cochise Ball, and he was one of he was one of the best engineers in the city of New York. He was a producer, but he was known for his engineering. And production was good, but his engineering was his claim. And so we lived together in New York. When I first met him, we probably just communicated, talked, shared stories, shared life for about 30 days. We didn't record not one song for 30 days. He got to know me, I got to know him. And then one day I came to the studio and he had three songs tracked out already, three instrumentals tracked Mm -hmm. out already. And he said, you know, Brad, I want you to hear something. And I said, you know what? Do not let me hear it. I was like, dim the lights. Give me the headphones. Because I just want to, whatever that whatever I hear, I just want it to be organic. And I want to yes. turn on the microphone. And I'm whatever comes out is going to come out. We got three songs in like 10 minutes. Wow. One of the songs, actually, let me take that back. Two of the songs from top to bottom. The whole song. Hook bridge, all of we got everything from top to bottom. We went in, all we didn't change a thing. We didn't change any vocals. We didn't change a thing. All we did was go in and just stack the vocals. We like stacked the hook, made the hook big, and everything, you know, put the background vocals under it, all mm-hmm. of that stuff. Those three songs are my first album finding my way. Okay. And mm-hmm. you wouldn't know they were freestyle. You would you would think they were written out on paper, all of that stuff. Yep. So but I say that all as to say, I love the idea of just Communing with someone, and you understand them, they understand you, and then it's just you organically start producing the same type of music.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, because his, I, I didn't produce at the time as far as music was concerned, I was just writing at the time. But to be able to him to understand my heart and create music that spoke to the experiences that I was having at that time was amazing to me. And I always wanted to get back to that. I want to go, I want to get back to having that kind of relationship with a producer and being able to pull out some of those things in me that maybe at the time I don't have words for, or maybe at the time I can't find the music for, you know, and it just organic and we just build it out of nothingness. Those moments when you got behind
0: the mic and you heard that instrumentation and all the words just came out free-flowing, as mentioned. Once Mm -hmm. you had finished, was it like, okay, what just happened? Or Yeah, what was that process like? It's so interesting for me to hear yeah, that. It was like often the mind needs to think and plan and create and write and allow things to, uh, you know, flow. And sometimes people mm-hmm. think that can't happen in the moment; it needs to be planned. So obviously, it wasn't mm-hmm. planned. So tell me about that experience.
1: I like to think I don't. I don't like to think. I know this. I know this because it happened on my third album as well. Mm-hmm. So I know this. I'm just because I'm not writing. You know, a lot of people say, oh, I got writer's block or I'm still I'm still having experiences. Yes. I'm still living life. I'm still banking experiences Mm -hmm. within my soul, within my mind, within my heart. I'm still banking experiences. And I feel there's a moment where there's those experiences want to come out. And this happened on my third album. I didn't. A lot of the songs that I had written nonstop for about two years from three Years 2006 through 2009, I had written nonstop and I just had hundreds of songs, and then I couldn't write a thing from like 2009 all the way until 2012. I couldn't write a thing. Then I, you know, I ran into another old friend, a producer of mine, and he sent me a song and he asked me to write a song for him. So I wrote the song and he loved it so much that he sent me a whole website full of music that he produced. And he hadn't put anything out in eight years. He hadn't been producing music, done anything for eight years. And he sent me, you know, he's like, Brad, whatever you want, just take it. I literally wrote 10 songs in five days. Okay. Complete, I mean, 10 complete songs in five days. Eight of them made my third album. And, but all those experiences, those spirit experiences lived in me and they were ready to come out. You know, and I feel like we're here. I, I feel like I'm here again. I put an a EP out in mm-hmm. 2020, you know, and I wrote about three songs. Some of those songs are older, three of them were new, but I haven't put together a body of work since 2013. And here we are almost 10 years later, nine years later. And I feel like, the, the experiences I've had over the last nine years, they're ready to come out. The question
0: around that period where you didn't write song for three years, did you try mm-hmm. and it was just, not, it just was like It was I terrible. This?
1: I tried and it was terrible. Okay. I didn't like anything that I was putting on paper. I didn't, you know, it, it may have been good to other people, but it wasn't good to me. I wasn't writing anything that I hadn't already written. I didn't write anything that was moving me or, I didn't, that, or that I felt was going to be a contribution to society contribution to the music industry. It was just it was just words on paper or I didn't feel like it did anything. So, if I wasn't moved by it, why am I going to continue trying? I don't want to force it. I have to love it. Mm-hmm. I have to believe in it. And when I believe in it, then I can sell it. I can perform it. I can you know, I can get behind it, but if it's just something that I feel like, eh, where I can't tell if it's good or not, and I got to look at other people's responses, I don't like that feeling. Those, you know, know, songs
0: you wrote pre to that time, you mentioned you wrote a number of songs. So have mm-hmm. have you ever gone back to those songs and like, okay, let's make an album out of some of those songs? That was the the
1: the EP I put out. Okay, understood. The EP I, I took three of those songs, yes, and put them on and put them on my EP. Three or four, three or four. Okay, Because the world hadn't heard them. And they were actually literally three of my favorite songs that I've ever written. But okay. they didn't have a space on the projects that I had previously put out. So but they, I, did, fit the, sorry, they did fit the theme of the EP. Okay, understood. I just want to unpack that because I find this quite interesting. You wrote
0: solidly for two to three years. And then was it an overnight shift and just felt, okay, I'd released everything I re- had to release for that period and now trying to release more
1: Is uh, forcing it? Yeah, it was forcing it. I didn't have a reason behind releasing. Like I said, a lot of the songs that I was writing were reminding me of songs that I had already written, but they weren't as good. I I probably needed more, in hindsight, just needed more maturity, more growth, more experiences.
0: So there's a period of not writing. Did you just let Mm -hmm. it flow and just let it happen and say, okay, okay, it's not happening right now. Was there frustration around that?
1: Oh, frustration. Okay. Absolutely. You know, I felt something was wrong with me because I couldn't write anymore. I, I could write like if if someone came along and said, Brad, I need a song like this. Can you write this for me? I could do that. But I just couldn't write for myself. I needed more experience in life. I needed, I needed a, a purpose, like my why. And I didn't have a why. And just putting out new music wasn't good enough for me, especially if I have to sell, if I have to exactly. get behind it and I have to, you know, convince someone else to like it the way I do. If I don't like it, how can I convince you to like it? <laughs> yeah. And then people would eventually see through that facade. So and it, yeah, completely. Absolutely. But if I buy into it, I don't care if you like it or not, I'm still going to push it to you. Exactly.
0: <laughs> and that energy comes through. That's
1: and that, okay. that energy comes to them. Yes, exactly. It
0: does. You mentioned you did a live performance or uh, staging of Sam Cooke. Why him specifically?
1: Um, he it found me. Sam okay. Cooke found me, so I'm honored in that way. I was um, coming off an acting reg- uh, excuse me an acting residency, and I didn't want to look for any more jobs. I didn't want to audition. I didn't want to wait in line. I didn't want to do all <laughs> yeah. that. So I, I decided yeah. to create my own show, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. Okay. And I was sitting at a friend's house and she said, she said, Brad, you look, you remind me of Sam Cook, you know, physically. And I, that wasn't the first time I had heard that. So she ended up giving me a book, Dream Boogie, the autobi- autobiography of Sam Cook, And um I read it from from cover to cover a couple of times. Absolutely loved the story and saw so much of myself in it and saw a lot of what I wanted to do moving forward in his story. And so I immersed myself in everything Sam Cooke for about 3 months. I had his speech down, I had his his inflections, his mannerisms, his, okay. I had it all down. And um I did a show. I did a show in 2009 juxtaposing Sam Cooke and my life to that point. The show has it it took, it it sold out. The first one sold out and I've done, you know, 4 5 6 different iterations of that show over the last 10, 15 years and until here and here we are with our latest rendition of the show. And it's 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 just grown. It's just gotten bigger, it's gotten bigger, and we've added more to it. You know, it went from a an hour show to now it's a two-hour show. Wow. You know, it went to from a five piece band to now a 10-piece band, you know, with all the bells and whistles and you know, it went from me just singing songs, songs and now. I sing his songs and I tell not just his story, but the story of that era. That's interesting, yeah. You know, and his, his impact on that and the era's impact on him. We immerse you in, when you close those doors, you are back in the late 50s, early 60s. Wow. From the look to all the imagery we use to, you know, just everything just kind of takes you back to that time. It sounds amazing. I, I definitely want to see that
0: sometime, <laughs> as soon as I can. <laughs> Before we had vinyls, CDs, cassettes, They are gratefully Mm -hmm. making a comeback because I love me a CD. I love holding the thing, looking at your pictures, looking at the thank yous,
1: but -hmm. we've got these
0: digital platforms where people consume music these days. What are your thoughts Mm -hmm. around that and the changes?
1: Uh, It's double-edged sword. The access is beautiful. You know, the, The ability to be able to uh, market and, you know, promote and sell directly to your fan base is absolutely amazing. You know, the, the, the opportunity to build and grow your own fan base organically via the internet and touch the world is absolutely amazing. But I feel like it has stripped the industry, stripped music of a lot of its foundation and its culture. A lot of what I what I loved about it when I first started doing music was the community and collaboration that was built having to be in the studio with somebody to produce a record. I can do my part in my house, you can do your part at your house and we never have to be in the same space. You know, we never have to collaborate on that in that way. I miss being able, you know, when we when I had to build my fan base early on, I had to go from show to show to show to show, from event to event. I was forced to be on, be into the battleground. I say the battleground is I had to get on stage and work out my stage show, you know, in front of people, <laughs> you know. So whether whether it was good, bad, or indifferent, you know, I was working my stage show out on these on smaller levels. And then as I got better, the stages got bigger. There are so many wonderful human beings that I met along that journey, and I think a lot of that gets missed now. Mm-hmm. because I can produce a whole album and put it out and you never have to see me, yeah. you know, though, you can, Oh, you see me on YouTube or IG, mm-hmm. but you never have to see me perform. It's interesting you, know, you say I,
0: that because I'd, I'd had such a realization because not seeing you and seeing you on YouTube and Instagram is part of the inverted commerce, whether that people use it or not, the filtered world. So it's mm-hmm. uh, playing to a character or a person, what they want to perceive. But when we
1: see the real you, we see the real you. So you see the yes, yeah. One of one of my favorite things to say is, "You're butt naked on that stage. I don't care how many clothes you got on. Exactly, you are butt naked on mm. that stage. People can see you, yeah, and your intentions when you're on that yeah.
0: stage. That's so interesting because so many people now are like, oh, I can chat to my fans on Instagram. I can DM them, and I'm like. Okay, cool. It couldn't be done before, but I don't know, there's a whole mystery of the music journey that's been taken away. It's been taken away, yeah. Yeah, like for me, I still, like I said, I still buy the CDs. Okay, this one, I'm going to buy this one. I get it delivered. I open the box, Mm -hmm. I'm excited. I look at the pictures. I look at the song words. That whole experience and the journey of, I'm saying thank you to you as a musician by investing Mm -hmm. in this has Mm -hmm. been taken away for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But I want to tell you, gratefully, vinyls in the UK the best-selling in 2022 since 1990. So the physical is making a comeback, which is great.
1: No, that is absolutely great. It's funny, I partnered with um, Soul Japan and I put out vinyl over there through Soul Japan. Okay. So that was, um, it was an EP, uh, it was a love EP actually. It's funny because it was a song called The One You Love and a song called Love. I released those in the UK first on vinyl and those songs actually ended up making it on my EP that I released here in the States. But it was released on vinyl in the the UK years before that. The podcast is listened to throughout the world. So my main Mm -hmm. listening audience is in the UK, USA,
0: Australia and a bunch of other countries. But grateful to all of you for listening. So as a final message to the listening audience, what would you like to say?
1: Well, I just want to say thank you for listening and thank you for this, you know, your wonderful questions, man. You know, you. you really dug into that. And I, I appreciate you taking me back down memory lane in that way. You know, if you want to find out about Brad Marquis, it's very easy. Everything um, is B-R-A-D-D-M-A-R-Q-U-I-S. So, you know, if you check any musical platform, social media, whatever, Check out that name, website, whatever. You know, that's the same. Everything's the same. So you don't have to do too much guessing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant. So guys, this is Slave Savant signing out with Brad Marquis.